What would you guess? 20. 20? 24. 24. Okay. 63. 63. Okay. 60. I think he's 34. Was 33? Uh, 34. 34. He's 33. 32, I believe. He's 40. I think he's 40. He always tickles me every time I walk past him. Tickle me, tell jokes. He makes funny faces. Plays tricks. When we go on a daddy-daughter day. He does weird voices. Acting really funny all the time. Uh, tell his weird and appropriate jokes. Um, like a navy blue. His favorite color is yellow. I think it's blue and gold. Red and blue and green. His favorite color is orange. Orange, blue, yellow. His favorite color I think is black. Probably soccer, maybe. It's in my car. Dancing. And sports. Sports. <laughs> Art. Playing video games. Dancing. Cooking. He's a little bit rusty at jump roping, but he used to be really good. Um, playing drums. He's really good at snuggling. Football. Singing. Working. Football. Being a good dad. Work, build houses, fixing cars and motorcycles and all that stuff. He's good at fixing cars. morning cornerstone and happy father's day how many fathers do we got here today show of hands quite a few all right happy father's day well today's message is for us fathers and uh not just fathers but men and even women uh in the church um but uh god's been really doing a, a wonder and works in my life here the last uh four months um but uh He's been showing me that um, today's message is on the journey and the legacy. And uh, right now I'm going to take you through the journey of um, what God has been showing me through in the Bible that my journey is, is kind of comparable to. It's the story of the Moses and the Israelites. 
I'm sure most of you guys have heard the story before, but uh, I'm going to recap it, you know, condense it real quick and go over it. Um, then my wife has something to say, and then I'll come back up and give you my testimony and tie this all in with my journey. All right, so, uh, you know, the, the story of Moses and the Israelites. See, the Israelites were in slavery for 430 years. God gave them, uh, before God gave them a way out that he promised. Okay, in Exodus 3, uh, we see that God sends Moses. Uh, he calls Moses out and sends him in uh, to go to Pharaoh and tell him to release his people, let him go in the wilderness, and and uh, sacrifice to him for three days. And he said, but Pharaoh's heart's going to be hardened, and he's not going to let you go, but I'm going to bring up you know, numerous uh, signs and wonders that uh, will, I'll bring my mighty hand against him, and, and he will change. Uh, he will let you go. Um, so with that, he did the ten plagues. Um, and the, the last of the ten plagues with, was uh, death of the firstborn. Uh, on all the Egyptians. Now he saved the Israelites through all this stuff too. He didn't. He didn't let anything happen to the Israelites. Uh, even the like even darkness for three days. He didn't. It, it was still light in Goshen where all the uh, Israelites were. Um, so he uh, he performed all these signs. Did the ten plagues. Death of the firstborn. He uh, finally at, at after midnight there when death. Uh, death of the firstborn happened, uh, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, uh, go, get out of here. Uh, go go worship your, your God and make sacrifices out in the wilderness. Just go. Uh, and, and he said, bless me too while you're out there. And so they took off. With, I mean, they, they left immediately. Um, uh, matter of fact, God told the Israelites to, uh, with the Passover there, to, to eat with their cloaks tucked into their belt and their sandals on their feet and staff in hand because I believe that they had to leave quickly. There was a lot of people. Um, it wasn't like there was just a little bit of Israelites. It, it, the Bible says 600,000 men, not including women, children, and their flocks and herds that went with them too. So there, that's a lot of people to move and it takes time to do that. Uh, but we know through all this that God uh, was with them along the whole way. All right. They uh God parted the Red Sea so they could get, I mean, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart, heart was hardened and he sent all of his chariots and all of his uh, army after them uh, and said, you know, what do we do? We just let all our slaves go. We got to go get them back. So he went after them. Uh, they get down there. He, he blocks in all the Israelites. Well, God, God moves from a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he was in there. He was protecting the Israelites. Well, he moved from the front of them to the back of them to go between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And he parted the Red Sea with a great easterly wind, and they walked across on dry ground. Uh, so he's performing all these awesome you know, miracles and, and wondrous signs. And once they get to the other side, God had delivered them from the, from the Egyptians by uh, the uh, Egyptians were following the Israelites in, into the middle of the Red Sea, and God let the walls of, of water down and drown, drown them all. Uh, so not only did God free them from being slaves out of Egypt, he delivered them uh, from their enemies and killed them, took care of them all. Uh, so then after they get to the other side, all right, um, they tested God a bunch of times with, you know, what are we going to drink out in the desert? You know, you should have sent us back. 
uh, we should just, you know, go back and, and but anyways, uh, they sent in the 12 spies uh, into, uh, God told Moses to send the 12 spies into uh, Canaan and bring back a report of the land, the people, the food, um, and that's in Numbers chapter 13, verse 31. We'll go ahead and read these two verses here, or three verses. So Numbers 13, verse 31 through 33. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw that Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in their eyes, and we looked the same to them. So they spread fear throughout the camp that these people were twice their size. Uh, uh, there was way more soldiers than them. They were better armed, and you know, basically they were just puny little grasshoppers in their eyes. And... All right, so when we were talking about um, this message, God showed me we all have a journey to make, just like the Israelites had a journey to make. They came out of Egypt. Um, but sometimes fear keeps us from starting that journey. And so they were supposed to go into the promised land, and fear kept them from that promise. Um, but then I'm going to talk about the legacy we all have a legacy. It's our testimony. But we never have a testimony unless we take the journey. Um, so we're going to skip ahead a little bit to Joshua. And here, um, the Israelites, you know, the time has come. They're going to go and take the promised land. Um, so they've seen... They've seen the hand of God. So this is the next generation, right? They've seen the hand of God, uh, and he, he takes them to the Jordan River, and he parts it, and they go across. And to me, that's like symbolically like leaving behind the sinful past, the things that, you know, the wandering that they had to do because they didn't follow God, they didn't trust God. Um. So it says, God told the Israelites to make a monument when they crossed the Jordan River so that their children, when their children ask, what are these stones for? They could say, this is what the Lord has saved me from. The stones were to remind the next generation of the power of God. So in Judges 2, 8 through 12, I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, but here's what happened. Um, they had the monument to remind their children of what God had done, but they forgot the importance of their job, the job to mentor the next generation. Uh, when they died, and the next, then the next generation fell away from God. It says another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor even the work which he had done for Israel. And 
the funny thing to me is, you know, God delivered them out of Israel, out of bondage and slavery, and because they didn't tell the next generation, guess where they ended up? They ended up right back in bondage and slavery. Um, so they did not they did not know God. They did not know what God had done for them. And we sometimes were like, what? You know, you forgot to tell your kids that God parted the river? That's, you know, I don't know. That seems like that would stick out in my mind. Like, <laughs> um, and how the walls of Jericho fell. You forgot to tell your kids about that? Um, I don't know. I, I like to think that I wouldn't do that, but we all do it. We all forget to tell our children the testimony of what God has done. So when I was praying about preparing for this message, I felt like God gave me a word. And I thought it was interesting since we're doing Father's Day that the beginning of the word is men. So the word was mentor. And it starts with men. Okay. Um, I believe that even though we're all called to be mentors, that men have something in their DNA that has to be fulfilled by mentoring the next generation. They're supposed to be the spiritual leaders. They're supposed to go before their families, you know, and guide and protect. And that doesn't mean that they rule over their families. So, I mean, a lot of people like to use that as a way to be like, you're under my thumb, woman. And that's not what that means. It says to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And so if we were under God's thumb, I mean, can you imagine we would all probably be dead right now? <laughs> Just saying. Um, so I was looking and I found this study. It was done by the Swiss government. And even though it's not our country, I think that it really adds a lot of value to how important men are in, in their families and even in our church. I mean, a lot of times men don't feel like they are real important in raising up the next generation because that's a woman's job, right? But they are. They're very important. And this study kind of proves that. So um, they do a census every year about church and how many of their children end up going to church. So they said mothers that attend church regularly with a father in the, the family that does not go, only 2% of their kids will attend church regularly. 2%. If a father attends church regularly and the mother does not, 44% of their children will attend regularly. So see, fathers, how important you are in the spiritual walk of your child. Don't leave it all up to the woman. Sometimes, um, sometimes I wonder if the Israelites, when they crossed over, maybe they didn't want to tell their children about the monument because of the shame of, you know, their, their families wandered in the desert for 40 years because they didn't listen to God the first time. They didn't trust God, even though he had shown them all this stuff. You know, all these miracles, and they still didn't trust God. Um, but sometimes we do the same thing. Our testimony, our testimony is like the monument. 
It's there to show the next generation what God has done. But if we don't tell our testimony because we're too ashamed, it's like we're putting a rock over top of it rather than building a monument to remember where you came from. So, your testimony is of the journey that you've been on. It's the things that God has freed you from. And your journey is what makes a legacy. You can't have a legacy unless you take the first steps and start the journey. So with that, I'm going to call my husband back up because he's going to talk about his testimony and the things that God has brought him out of. Because I believe that if he can do it for one, he can do it for more. Amen. Thank you, honey. All right. So I'm going to start with my testimony, uh, but I'm going to compound it, kind of, you know, condense it because, like I said, it would take a couple services to get through my, you know, testimony. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to start right back from, uh, you know, I was born and raised in a Christian home. I was uh, dedicated and raised in this church. Uh, I was heavily knitted into, you know, JBQ, SBQ, Bible quizzing, and uh, then the youth and drama. I mean, I was. I had many encounters with God, uh, and I was a strong Christian. Um, I thought, you know, I, I it was around 12 years old. I started to, you know, rebel a little bit. But by the time I was 14, I had uh, I'd started smoking. That was like the first thing that I started. And uh, the, with that one thing, you know, I, I couldn't get close to God, and I got, you know, I got, I got addicted to it, and. Um, just started smoking full-fledged uh, and then so I'm running from God I had a calling and, and I was running from you know basically this what I'm doing right now uh, yeah, I had a big fear of it uh, but God uh, God was still there with me I still knew he was you know Lord and he took care of me but I was still running and all right, so I got I got married at a young age. I had uh, a couple of kids. I started, and then I started drinking. I started uh, really, you know, rebelling quite a bit. I started drinking really heavy. I, I was, uh, by the time I was 21, I had, you know, I was married, had a house, a good job, um, but I was a heavy drinker. And at 21, I got a DUI, and I had to make a choice because um, my my wife and kids, uh, I had. You know, God brought me to the choice. I had to either, you know, quit drinking and stay with my family and change my life around, or keep going the way I was going and gonna lose my wife and kids. And and uh, so I chose, you know, my family, and God helped me through it. That was it was pretty hard, but I got through it, and I got closer to God for a while. Um, still smoking, uh, and that kept me from getting as close as I need to get to God. Um, I. Uh, I felt the longing like I needed to get closer, but there was something there stopping me. And uh, so, anyways, with all that said, I'm going to go right to just four months ago. All right. Um, about four months ago, I mean, most of you know that I had a, a back injury and, and surgery. Uh, I, uh, I, I was on a pain medication regimen. Uh, it was quite extensive. I 
quite a bit of medications. Anyways, one of them was uh, giving me, uh, and all of a sudden I had a, what they call tachycardiac. Had, I went to the hospital. Um, it was a, an allergic reaction to this medication I've been on for three years. And uh, it just all of a sudden happened, and I believe it was God. I know it was God. Uh, it was my time. Anyways, uh, I'm sitting there, and they're, I'm already starting to detox because I had taken, I had kind of figured out it was something to do with it. It taken the medication off, and God had been working on me for like three months before this, um, telling me that I needed to, you know, get rid of this because it's become an addiction. Um, and I'm, I'm praying for healing, but He can't heal me because I'm addicted to another thing, and I'm relying on that as my source of, you know, feeling better. So I'm laying there in bed, and they decided I was already detoxing, and, and I couldn't sleep. They decided to put me back on it because it's not good to go right off from it. Uh, so they put it on me, and I, I, I'm starting to feel a little better, starting to fall asleep, and all of a sudden my heart drops and then shoots up through the roof, started racing again. And I sit up in bed. I mean, it woke me up and sat up, and right then God told me, right straight flat out, he said, you got a choice to make. Again, he brought me right to the choice. He said, you either uh, keep going the way you're going with this and die sooner than you're supposed to because of disobedience. Either that or get rid of it, step out in faith, and put your faith in me and I'll take care of it. You know, So, uh, you know, just like the Israelites... I had been wandering, basically, uh, for 20 years with smoking and drinking and, and you know, medications and stuff. Uh, and God was telling me that I needed to, you know, let it go and trust in Him. But fear was stopping me. I was totally afraid of, of actually just even quitting um, because it... Not just, uh, I mean, it was pain. I was, I was afraid of the pain. I was, I was afraid of detoxing. And anyways, I made that step. I right then and there, I said, you know what, I'm done. I hit the button, called them in, and I said, rip it off, I'm done. You know? And he said, well, wait a minute, don't do that. You, you, know, you could go crazy and all that stuff. And I said, no, I got a guy that's a little bigger, man. Just take it off, I'm done. So they rip it off, and... I'm not going to lie, the next six days were like going through pure hell. I mean, it was bad. And I, I was like, why, God? Why are you, you know, making this so hard for me? And I didn't even say anything. Crystal, actually, my wife, she said she was praying about it. And God told her that I needed to know, I needed to remember this uh, so I don't go back into it. You know, I needed to remember how bad it was so I didn't go back into it. Um, but here's what, uh, God really got with me. He said, you know, just like the Israelites that were wandering in the wilderness, they were, they were there by, uh, or their consequences for their, their actions. Okay. For 40 years, God made them wander because of their, their disobedience and their, and their fear. Fear stopped them from doing what they were supposed to do. So God punished them basically, but we're bought with the blood. You know, God didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And we're um, bought with the blood of Christ, and His grace is sufficient for us. And we can we can come 
we can come to God, quit wandering at any time. You know, we don't have a set time. And I believe that, you know, God's going to, he called me and he's, I believe he's going to call a bunch of people. Um, but, uh, so then like it was two weeks later, uh, after I quit, I was still kind of detoxing a little bit, couldn't sleep very good. And all of a sudden, uh, one night I had a dream and I don't dream. Uh, I haven't dreamed, you know, since a little kid, I'll have one here and there. But so when I have them, I know they might mean something. And so I had a dream that I had, uh, it started out, it was me and two of my friends, excuse me, two of my friends and this young lady were in, uh, in my house. It's not really my house, but in the dream, it was my house. It was like a kind of a rundown looking modular, nothing against modulars or anything, but this one was pretty rough. All right. And, and. We were in the back two bedrooms. I was showing them around my house, and I'm like, you know, these are the bedrooms. And we come out in the living room, and, and in the dining room area, there was, uh, I could see the door to the bedroom behind me. And then there was there was a table and chairs, and there was four four guys. They were, like, playing cards, smoking, drinking, hooting and hollering. And I'm, like, shocked that they're there, but I knew I couldn't do anything about it. Like, they were, they were there, and I wasn't even going to, I didn't tell them to get out or nothing. And the, my friends and the lady were like, Okay, well, we're going to get going, you know, and I'm like, all right, well, I grab my flashlight and open some here. I'll show you out there. You know, I open the door and shine a flashlight out there. I seen a dog, my, my dog out there, and I was like, yeah, that's my dog, and his nose was all bloody. And so I'm looking at it, I shined a light to his butt, and his butt was all tore up like it had been attacked. First thing that came to mind was it had been attacked by coyotes. And, I mean, I had my pistol on me, but I couldn't, it was too long range, so I, I knew there was a, an attack. On, on my house or, or on the outside of my house so I ran I ran to go into the bedroom to get my gun and by then I come around the corner and there's four guys they're standing up in front of my doorway and they're just like ignoring me you know talking to each other and stuff and I'm like uh, excuse me you know and I got to get to my bedroom and they just ignore me so I I'm like all right whatever I just pushed them out of the way and said excuse me pardon me you know come right I got to get through and I ran to my room opened the door and went in uh, went around the corner, grabbed the gun, and my wife and the youngest kid, Crystal or Krista, was they were in bed. They're like, "What's going on?" I said, "Again, dog was attacked or something." You know, I grabbed the gun and turned around. And the, the four men that had come through the door and were standing in front of me, confronting me. And I'm like, uh, "Okay." I'm like, "They're like, what'd you do that for?" And I said, "I didn't do what. I just said, excuse me. I had to get through. I had, you know, come to my room and." Before I could do anything, one of them pulled out a pistol and shot me in the gut. And it hurt, but I knew it wasn't fatal. I ran around the corner, took cover, and then jumped out and shot him, killed him right there. And he dropped. The other ones looked at me all like, what's going on? And I started just unloading on him, uh, chasing him out and unloading on him. Then the, the dream was over. So I was... You know, like the uh, the next morning, I'm like, oh, Lord, did the dream mean anything? What does it mean? You know, it's kind of crazy, but, you know, what does the dream mean? And he says, well, you just got to ask me. You know, just simply ask. So I, I asked. I said, all right, Lord, just tell me what the dream means. And he's, piece by piece, he started telling me over, like, the next week. And it was, um, first thing he said was the, the, the house, 
represents my body, all right, my temple, me as myself, okay, and then I got, and it was kind of run down and ragged and all that stuff because of situations I was in and what I was doing. Um, the two, I had two friends there, I had my family there, and then there was a young lady. I didn't even want to tell my wife that there was a young, I didn't even know who she was. It was in my dream, you know, but anyways, it was, uh, I said, God, what? who is this lady? You know, I don't, I don't even know who she is. I've never seen her before. And he said, that's my bride, my bridegroom. Uh, it's my church. And you got friends, family, and the, and the church, his bride, that I'm showing the inside of, of me, basically. Uh, and then he said, the four men are strong men. They're strongholds that are in your life. That, and... I, the, he said the fentanyl was the one that you blew away, and you're you're taking steps to get rid of the rest of them. And then it caused me to think, like, okay, what else can I get rid of? You know, that I think I can't get rid of because of fear. Uh, and he went right on down the road. See, I had I uh, I ended up not right at the same exact time, but I ended up quitting smoking. Uh, and that was, you know, 20 years. So I'm wandering for 20 years. I finally was able to slay that demon. All right. And then I got rid of, you know, Mountain Dew and, and some other pain medications. And and uh, God's still working on me, believe me. He's still working on us all, okay? Cause, uh, but what really got me uh, was, like I said, the, the Israelites, they were... Wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, okay, but ours is by choice. We can, what are we making our children miss uh, by not doing what God's telling us to do? Uh, you know, see, they could, their kids could have been in the promised land. Sure, they were alive and they were going to go into the promised land, but they could have went in there 40 years earlier. Right, right. Uh, so he was showing me that I was being an example to not only just my family, I was being an example to my church family, which really got me because I'm, you know, working with the kids. What am I showing them? You know, so I decided that, you know, I needed to change. And and one step at a time, I've been changing. Uh, and then I was like fighting God on, on even doing this because I'm, I'm afraid. I'm serious. Seriously, I'm afraid of doing this. But God told me. You don't have to be perfect to start, but you have to start to be perfect. So, I just figured I, I have to do this because it's, it's what God wants me to do. You know, he's telling me the next step, I'm going to be obedient and do it. Uh, so, God is, God's telling us something to do throughout our whole lives. All right, In order to get to the next level or take the next step, you know, we have to... Get over the fear if we have any fear of it, which most of the time we do, because it's something that we have to change. We don't want to change, and uh, we got to get over that fear and put forth an effort. The next thing, you know, we hear God, we get over the fear, and we put forth an effort to do it, and God will take it from there. He's taking it from from there for, for me. I mean, with everything, uh, I can't do this stuff on my own. Uh, Another thing he was telling me, uh, I had one more dream. 
All right, this was a couple, I think three weeks ago, maybe. I had another dream. Uh, it started out, I was out on a porch. I'm, I'm sitting out on a porch with one of the younger generations uh, from this church. Okay, then there's a, we're at somebody's house and on the inside is one of the older generation. All right, so you got the older generation, me, and then the younger generation sitting there and I'm talking to the younger one telling them, you know, it's, it's late at night. It's kind of doomy gloomy and stuff. And I was telling them, you know, that about Christ and, and, and being a good influence, you know, and stuff at that point. And I seen there was a red spot in the sky. And I said, uh, cool, look at that. You see that? You know, there's a little red spot in the sky there. And then we're both looking at it and all of a sudden just this big old it was red man it just come right out of the sky and it was a it was an orange head of a lion with red hair and blazing eyes of fire and i'm like wow check that out you know and, and he's looking at it and i'm like we gotta wake up the older generation so i'm backing up trying to watch it so i don't miss it i'm backing up and i'm trying to open the door to tell him wake up and see this check this out man and i couldn't get there in time before it started retreating and i couldn't wake him up all right then the dream was over I'm like, Lord, you told me to ask, so I'm going to ask, what does this dream mean? And piece by piece, he told me too. He says, you got you, the younger generation, and the older generation. The lion represents courage and strength. And orange means deliverance in, in, in the Bible. So you got... Uh, and then also the red, the red hairs, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, we're, we're bought with the blood, and uh, blazing eyes of fire. You know, the Bible says that our eyes are a lamp unto our soul. So, uh, and blazing fire can go either way in dreams, uh, but this was a good sense I had, and it was, uh, means God or the Holy Spirit and purging uh, so, I, I mean, I believe that there's going to be a huge shift and change in the way that we we have to show the kids our journey, you know, and be a good example to them and leave a good legacy for them. Uh, so we'll know that it was God that got us through all this and, and it will keep them from making the same mistakes that we make. So, and I believe that there's going to be a huge shift and change in the church if we want revival. Uh, which I know some of them the promised land we got in order to get to our promised land we got to go one step at a time and do what God tells us to do and it starts with what he's telling you to do right now All right. And if we want to get to revival like I said it starts with us uh, and with that I'd like Pastor Brenda to come on up and close this out wow that's a good word very, very prophetic. Um, you know, God's speaking to us all the time. But if we would just open our ears to hear, but we, we want to be busy about doing this and be busy about doing that, slow down and listen. So what I want us to do is we're just going to stand and I'm just going to ask everybody, God's speaking something to you. Now, it might be something. Everybody just stand.
I want you to quiet yourself, quiet your mind, and either God's speaking something to you right now that's fresh and new, or he spoke something to you a while ago. And for some reason, like Devin was saying, you you found yourself on the, the edge of, I'm scared, I, this is not me, I must be thinking that, it can't be God, you know, and caused you or sent you into this wandering time where you know you don't want to go back to that one spot because of fear or whatever it is or you're not ready you felt like you know God was asking you to like Devin lay down something that you just felt like you were not ready to give up and he's still calling that same thing he's not going to give up he doesn't relent he will keep calling that same thing so God, we just ask that you open our ears to hear you today, whether it's a fresh word or you're going to speak again that same word. God, let us hear clearly your voice. Some people, you're hearing things and you're thinking it's your own mind. You're thinking it yourself. And God says, no, it's not. That's me. Listen. Listen. the word today was don't you don't have to be perfect to take that next step when God when God called Devin when he was at a young age do you think he didn't know what was going to happen but he doesn't relent on his calling he was still calling him well yeah but now Devin's picked up this that's okay my calling's still here you're going to have to lay that down. My calling's still here. God's calling some of you today. No, I believe he's calling every one of us because we're all called. He calls us all. But whether it's your time to take, I believe it's, it's almost both. We have to let go of something that's keeping us from stepping out. Insecurity, fear. You might have thrown finances. Well, after I make so much, then I'll might be finances it might be a strong man like um, Devin shared with us whatever it is if God's starting to speak something to you or you hear that he has spoken something to you I want you to come up as just like a declaration that I, yes God I hear you and I'm stepping out today's the day and we're going to have Devin pray for you people that come up to the front you've heard God speak or you're, you, he's spoken something to you in the past and you just haven't stepped out yet. Come on, he's going to pray for you. Yep, yep. 